yep. five thousand dollars or whatever. Right, exactly. And in in uh, his case, it's more like twenty. Right. So uh, you come home, hey, hey, baby, I just spent twenty grand. Ah! And they weren't there getting the the preceding, the objection overcoming, right. the you know, they're not in that same state. So imagine this has to be covered. Somewhere. Yeah, the only thing that they see is holy crap, I've just lost twenty grand. They don't see <laughs> any of the benefits or ROI or anything like that. SalesMarketingProfit.com. Real world case studies. No theory, just real results. You're listening to SMP with James Shramko and Talkie Moore. Episode 29 of Sales Marketing Profit. And Taki, what are we calling this one? The douchebag effect. That's an interesting name. Is it, uh, is it even appropriate to have on a, our iTunes show? Yeah. All right, tell me about it. So uh, do you want the story or do you want the, what the douchebag effect is? No, I think we need the story. It's, it's rare we would give away the punchline. Perfect. <laughs> so I got this client and uh, we just had a quick conversation about client confidentiality just before we started recording. So uh, let's just call him S. His first name starts with that, so we'll leave it like that. Uh, he works with accountants. He's a coach. And he's in this situation where he's got a, a group coaching program that's quite big, and he's also got a small group mastermind that he wants to fill. And strategy that he's been trying for the last few years is get people into a workshop. He's a Dan Kennedy student, so he's thinking like super conference, multiple speakers, blah, 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 blah. And at the end, try to pitch his mastermind. So it's like a, you know, a two-day workshop and trying to sell the mastermind. And frankly, hasn't gone very well. Why do you think that is? Just on that, because it's such a popular format. It's especially prolific if you go to a, a United States conference. Yep. And I often hear this last bit, and that usually gets a reaction from me. And that's where I'm going to pitch at the end. Yeah. What exactly. do you think about pitching at the end of, of anything, whether it's a webinar yeah, or, I think or it's a, a huge mistake? So, why, why is that? Okay. So, I think there's two things which make his, which is why, two things which were causing his. Unsuccess. <laughs> it's failure. I can't, haven't, haven't talked for a little while. Lack of success. That's what I'm looking for. Sometimes words are hard, aren't yes, they? Yes, sometimes words are hard. Uh, so pitch at the end is a mistake. If you're having to pitch at the end, it says that you haven't done a good job up front. So I think everybody, uh, you've got a choice to make. You can either hard sell at the end or you can pre-sell at the beginning and all the way through. And if you pre-sell, we can overcome every objection. We can talk about the stuff all the way through. So at the end, the, there's no need to pitch hard like an idiot. You can just, now that you know what this is about, if you'd like this, you can just invite people to take the next step. So we're talking about things like seeding, yep. covering off, uh, insulating against competitors Completely. or even the, even them doing nothing at all. Yep. I think that might be a Dan Kennedy one. Yeah, it probably is. I think, yeah, the, biggest, it, yeah. the biggest competitor you've got really is apathy. Yes. So there was two things which were going on for S. Uh, the first one is... You know, running this event and pitching at the end instead of being strategic about the content he taught and, you know, seeding, teaching people what to want all the way through. So his whole event was really designed around this big pitch at the end yep. and then the front bits, the, like the the stuff that he's obligated to do to, to get them there. Yeah, exactly. And, and do you think sometimes in the audience figure this out and resent it? Yeah, and most people are sitting in the audience, yeah, at least I believe so, with their kind of their wall up, kind of bracing for impact, going, okay, when does the pitch start? What's he going to sell me? And how much is it? And like, and they're not even open to hearing the content because they know that this is a front for a, a hard sell at the end. The classic one I've seen of that is the one where the speaker, who also used to be a cruise ship magician, oh, yeah, he I tells don't... them at the beginning, I'm not going to sell you anything. 
so you can relax. Yeah. And but then he pitches harder than anyone I've ever seen. Yeah, and he's a douchebag. Yes, he is a douchebag. Yeah, he's a douchebag. There's two things going on for S. One is the whole hard sell at the end piece. And the other big mistake I think he made is that it's a multi-speaker event. And so he's got all these other people in who people have presumably, you know, part of the reason they've registered and attending this event is to hear from these other guys, but they've got nothing to do with his offer at the end. So it's not not themed or congruent. Yeah, and so I think if the only reason to have somebody in your event, if it's an event designed to invite people to do the next thing, that the only people who should be there are people who are going to be involved in the thing that they buy at the end. Right. So uh, if they're clients, that you know, you're going to be hanging around with these other people. If you've got other coaches who work with you, they should be there too. If it is outside experts, at least have them deliver something in the end product. And in this case, they were just unrelated dudes. And so the reason people come is the reason they'll buy. So this is akin to the same effect where you could win an iPad by doing some competition. Right. People are joining because they win an iPad, Completely. not because they have any interest in the product or service. No. And, and I've seen people do this with webinars as well. Like, come on and think we're going to be giving away an iPad, exactly the same situation. And people are there for the freaking iPad. They're not there for the offer. It's a waste of your time in this. It's a bad targeting. It's a bad targeting. So the, the giveaway or the promise or the associated speakers should have some relevancy to what's being offered. Yeah. Or leave it out. Yep. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on. So with this guy, revenue is plateaued. You know, he's, he's main, he's like an info product guy and that's going okay, but his mastermind is really stuck. It's way too small. He's doing these events, but it's conversion is low. It's really hard to, you know, really hard to get people to do what, what he wants them to do at the end. And he's got this, this weird dilemma, which is he's a really nice guy, but he's been trained by, you know, big name sales guys to do hard pitch and he feels completely incongruent. And so he's got this weird thing going on where he can either be you know, good guy himself and like just give people great value and at the end make no sales, which has been his. So he's having to decide if he wants to be a wolf or a sheep. Correct. I call this the douchebag effect. He's got to either choose between be a loser, you know, nice guy who makes no sales or or hard sell and be a douchebag. And he's like, dude, do I want to be a douchebag or a loser? That's just a really bad choice. <laughs> it's not good. But I guess there must be another option. I'm thinking plan C. Yeah. Right? So how do I not be a loser? How do I not be a douchebag? Like, how do I get the, the sales that I want in a way that's completely congruent and high value? And so um, really, we worked on two things. One is the content of the workshop itself, which we'll talk about in a moment. And number two is how to do the offer in a way that that feels like an invitation and not like a pitch. Cool? Yeah. Look, I've seen this. I went to a workshop this year. And in the workshop, there was a high-value pitch and it felt nasty. Everyone in the room was suffering through it and there were you know, spruikers had to stand up and talk about their experience. And I just – I felt bad as someone in the audience. Yeah. I know the audience felt bad. At the very minimum – What's your take on segmentation? Yeah, segmentation is a huge part of this. We're going to talk about content. The offer piece is really simple. The One of the changes we made was instead of making the pitch to everybody in the whole audience, we did a little piece after the content, before the offer, which just really clearly had people get them, you know, put people in a place of, you know, wow, I could really use some help here. And then just said, so some of the questions, like yesterday it started, I've had it last night as well, and again this morning, tell me about this program. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a break for lunch. And if you're you know, at this level, you know, if you don't qualify, and he said it really nicely, but if you're at this level and, and not up here, or if you're doing fine and you don't want help, then have a great lunch. Come back at X time and we'll keep going with our next session. But if you're here and you want some help, 
then what I'll invite you to do is just give us a couple of minutes to set up the room and then come back in and we'll have a really casual, low-key chat about who it's for, who it's not for, how it works, and you can work out if it's for you or not. And so everybody leaves and the people who come back in are the people who want to come back in. So you're super respectful and you also get a room full of only people who are dead keen on your stuff. I imagine once someone comes back in the room knowing that there is going to be an offer, they have some level of commitment and consistency developing here to, yeah. to be open to the offer. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think we're we're not NLPing anybody here. We're not like, you know, brain voodooing them. But if if you've left the room, like if you if the content's done a really good job, people want the outcome that you're about to offer. And now they're just in the room to go, okay, so Big picture, I get that it's for me. Let's just work out if logistically and price-wise and everything else, it's a match. And if it is, I'll do it. And if it's, if it's not, of course, I won't. And that whole, you know, I call it challenge by choice. You know, it's an opt-in process. It's not, I'm not just going to pitch everybody with my stuff. It's just like the, the launch that you've just done. Exactly, where I went to my main customer list and I said, hey, I've uh, here's some things I've been up to lately. If you want to find out more about that, then I want you to, to please take this specific action and then I will segment you into a special group where I'll send you the emails and I'll be talking about this promotion that's going on right now. Yep. And these people are fully aware that that segment is going to be made an offer and the other people go about their business. And now I've got uh, – it's interesting watching people in my community. Some people are saying, hey, I didn't get any emails. I, I don't know what everyone's talking about. There was only 500 people or thereabouts on this list, this segment. But that 500 segment was very powerful. It had over 50% open rates. Wow. And it generated around about mid 50,000s in sales. Huge. And what? And it, here's what's great about that. You were able to only talk to people who were interested. You didn't waste anybody who wasn't interested's time. There was no sense of spamming or over-promoting, well, which everybody else Not a single unsubscribe. Of course. No complaints. Yeah. If you'd like to hear about this, click here. And if you don't, no hard feelings. This is the only time you'll ever hear about this. I mean, and so at this S's live event, if he said, hey, listen, we're going to be talking about this. If you want to stick around, this is where we'll do it. If you want to go and it's not for you, go. Like how could someone possibly be upset with that? Nobody's offended. And actually what happens is people, ever, I, you know, we ask everybody to leave the room. And so if you do come back in, you're there by choice. It's not just good. It's not apathy. You've left and you've chosen to come back in. And in the break, like while they're outside uh, and you're setting up the room, which we'll talk about in a minute, people are out there going, oh, what do you think it's going to be? And how much is it? And, and there's like this kind of buzz building and this curiosity building. And now when people come in, they're actually hungry to find out how the thing works. What sort of percentage would we expect to come back into the room? Yeah. If you do this well, you'll get between 70 and 80% of the people come back into the room. So you don't lose hardly anyone at all. When we do this in our process, we probably get about 65, 70% of the people come back in the room because we're really clear about, you know, if you're not at this income level, what I'm, you know, what we're going to share isn't for you. No hard feelings, but we can talk, you know, I've got something for you later. I'd rather push people away. I guess I tend to err on the side of maybe this isn't for you. Yeah. Because I've, I'd rather just have a smaller group and I guess that's minimizing the, the douchebaggery level because like, it's only like they're really serious. Yeah. I come from this place which is we're going to work out together if we're a fit or not. And if we're not a fit, there's nothing really that I can do to convince you to join. And so, of course, you won't join. And, and if we are a fit, of course, you will. Plus, this conversation around fit, it means there's not necessarily anything wrong with you and not necessarily anything wrong with them. No. I know that a lot of these high-pressure salespeople, they play on a lot of psychology to make the prospect feel less about themselves if they don't. They're like, well, 
you know, you're not stepping up, you're not facing your fear, you're less of a human unless you opt into this thing. Have you, have you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we call those people douchebags. That's <laughs> right, a topic of the episode. <laughs> okay, so what next? Okay, so we could talk about the content, but let's, uh, since we've started this conversation and we're talking about how to do the offer in a way that's, you know, clean, why don't we spend some time working through the four steps to that? Yep. Okay. Four steps. I'll give you keywords and then we'll dig into them. Okay. Four steps to what? I know you're the frameworks, man. What are we talking about here? Dude, I call this the choreographed close. Right. So this is four steps to being able to sell your thing in a really effortless, elegant way at your end and at their end. It'll feel smooth like butter. That was a very long... <laughs> was it four steps to being able to no, sell your thing? No, four steps thing? to selling your stuff really goodly. Is that all right? That is amazing. Yeah, yep. totally. So four steps. Uh, I'll give you four keywords and then we'll... Um, We'll unpack them. So firstly, tension is the first word. We want to do something while everybody's still in the room to get people out of the, oh, I could do this myself into, you know, I could probably use some help. Secondly, desire. And so this is once people have left, the people have come back in. We want to give them the big picture, you know, the how juicy and cool this could be. Third is logistics. Here's how the stuff works. And then fourth is the invitation, which is about price and timing and then, a, you know, an invitation to come and do it. Yeah. Yep. So let's just jump into these, hey? So we've got everybody still in the room. We haven't had our break yet, and we just want to do some kind of, there's sorry. By the way, a multi-day event, when are we having this conversation? You could do it on any break. You, know, if, if, you, you could do this even in a two-hour workshop. It doesn't have to be multi-day. Right. In this particular case, he was running a two-day workshop, and it was at lunchtime, day two, just before lunch. That way, he's had a chance to do lots of you know lots of value, lots of content, build a you know build a bit of a buzz in a community, and now people are hungry to find out how it works. So the risk is, anytime you teach great stuff to people, there's a risk that some people in the audience go, "Well, this is really great. I'm all excited. I can go do this on my own, and I don't need you. Thank you so much. It's been really helpful." And so what? Well, in we- fact, that would be the expectation for a lot of people, isn't it? When they come into something that they're like, "I'm gonna." Make my investment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get the maximum out of this without spending another dollar more. Yep, completely. And if if like a husband and wife come to an event, there's probably a, a commitment that no matter what, we're not buying anything. Well, especially if the husband and the wife are not together, one's at home and one's there. They're, yep. they're, they're worried about going home. Uh, honey, look, I've spent yep. $5,000 or whatever. Right, exactly. And in, in uh, his case, it's more like twenty. Right. So uh, you come home, hey, hey, baby, I just spent 20 grand. Ah! And they weren't there getting the, the pre-seeding, the objection overcoming, right. the, you know, they're not in that same state. So imagine this has to be covered. Somewhere. Yeah, the only thing that they see is, holy crap, I've just lost 20 grand. They don't see any of the benefits or ROI or anything like that. So what we want to do is in between teaching great stuff, obviously, you know, teaching great stuff with a purpose and inviting people to do your next thing, we need to get people out of the, uh, I can do this myself. And create a sense of, you know what, doing this with somebody else is going to help me. I'm going to get there faster and I can see how I can get the results I'm after. And so there's a bunch of ways to do it. But all we want to do is we want to have a, a piece of content deliberately, you know, content or an exercise deliberately put there to get people back in there. You know what? It's not good enough how it is right now and I could use some help. Yeah? Yeah. At the end of that, we usually draw a, a model and we did a uh, an episode in episode 19 called The Why Ladder, which just lets people know who really simply who it's for and who it's not for. And if, you, you know, if you're not like this, this or this, it's probably not. For you, we send everybody out for lunch and invite people to come back in if this is something that they're interested in. Yep. Cool so far? Yep. Great. So that's the that's the tension piece. James is taking a photo here, which is awesome. Well, it's just- um, You've bo- got a cockatoo eating a Buddha's head. No, the balcony. other cockatoo, kissing the other cockatoo, I think is kind of romantic. 
He's doing it from above too, which is pretty clever. Yeah, they're cleaning each other up. They're, they look after each other. That's a, good, I, that's I a think, beautiful thing. That sort of stuff should be encouraged. Well, they've heard us talking and they're coming. They're flocking here to see if there's a payoff. Yeah, I reckon there will be. By the way, you talked about being quite, I think maybe you said repellent. I'm not sure if that was your exact word in your oh. offer. <laughs> It definitely wasn't my exact word, but I usually will err on the side of not for of you being quite specific. That that uh, it's okay if this isn't for you. I'll- it's totally okay. And if you think about it, like to be really magnetic, you've got to be equally repellent as well as attractive. You know, you can't just be a this of everybody because it's totally not. Anyway, so we so everyone leaves S's workshop for a break, and then in the break, it gives them a chance to uh, you know make a couple of changes to the room. And then bring everybody, you know, whoever wants to, comes back in a couple of minutes later. And so we've done the tension piece. The next piece is desire. What he did was he just spent a few minutes talking about big picture, why people might want to do this. And so he covers off what the core problems that it solves are, what the outcome of the program is. Big picture, what are the three or four or five key areas, you know, the model that they focus on, who it's for, who it's not for, and the kind of people and experiences and community that it's involved. Just big picture. Yeah. The not for is really important. It's really important. important. I think that's a simple paragraph you could add to most sales pages or offers just to stop people trying to apply for something when it's really not right for them. You end up just letting, you're just having to say, you know, you let them down easy and say, I'm really sorry, this isn't for you. When you could have just uttered those words just before you, you know, you go to a break. And then saved everybody the hassle and embarrassment. Yeah, so we call this a filter. It's yeah. just a filter to make sure that you're, you're screening for the right person. Exactly. So in this desire piece, we go, what are the problems that you solve? What's the outcome we can get? Who it's not for? Who it is for? The model that you teach? And then something about the, the kind of people who are in the program and the experiences or kind of community that you build. And so that's probably enough big picture that people either go, yeah, this is cool or it's not. And so the whole process is an opt-out process that people can leave at any time. And so literally after the tension, we say, uh, you know, go to the break. And if you want to hear more, you can. And then we do this desire piece for a few minutes. So you've, you know, by now you've got a, a pretty good sense. That's probably enough detail. If you came in here for the, you know, the free sandwiches, you know, after what we've just said, this isn't for you, totally okay. Yep. Logistics. So well, what we do right there is we give people another chance to leave. Right. Okay. Yeah. Another chance to leave. And what sort of – so we've got 60%, 70% of the people have come back. From there, most people are going to stay. Right. So I imagine it would be hard for someone to stand up and walk out. Well, he, but we make it easy for them by – Stand up? Well, yeah, literally. We're, like we're at the front of the room right now and we have a little table at the back of the room. So I'm going to go to that back of the room. I'm going to explain how it works. Right. And if you want to go, just keep now's moving. Now's your chance. Totally like, okay. Can, I think it's, it's very courteous to let someone be able to escape without them feeling Without feeling pressure. like – yeah, without feeling like, oh, look at you, you loser. And so you go to this little table at the back and there are many fewer chairs at said table than you have people in the room. Is this the transition to logistics? Yeah, this is the transition to logistics. So you're there at the logistics and before he gets into logistics, by the way, this is a little bit magic. Before we transition into logistics, hey, in a second, you know, wow, we should have brought more chairs, you know, crowd around. Before we talk about, you know, how it works logistically, I'd like to hear from a couple of people, you know, what is it about this program that makes you think it could be the next step for you? And a couple of people will share, which gives you some social proof and also kind of a little bit of courage for yourself. So this is like from the spin model where the last step is have the customer tell you how your solution will help them out. Yeah, cool. Love that. It's quite good psychology. Yeah, it is. When a couple of people share, that's nice. Then you go through logistics. You know, if you're selling a coaching program, we focus on three kind of buckets of your offer. You know, how do you help them get a plan together? How do you deliver the tools? And then how do people get help? Is this what you're doing for them? Correct. Yep. 
So you, you break down all of the component parts of your stuff into the plan, how they get a plan, how they get the tools, and how they get the help. Yep. So you've basically you've gone through everything except for price. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we're about to go from logistics to the invitation. So the only thing we ha- – this is S's words. You know, the only thing we haven't talked about so far is price. Yeah. Really happy to talk about price, but only with people who see the value. So if you've come this far and you've seen the stuff and you enjoyed the sandwich, but deep in your heart you know this isn't for you, I'm going to give you one more chance to go. And so you you wait. And there's this awkward silence of people looking around and, and not many people will leave, probably nobody. And there's this kind of little nervous laugh. Okay. Well, they've got such sunk cost in, in Well, yeah, they've committed like out. four times, right, exactly. Yeah. And so then he just does this price piece. So, um, and then you're going to walk through, you know, the offer, you know, the deal on the day. Every time you do an event, you know, there's, there's your current, there's your normal kind of deal, but there's a reason to do it today. And so that may involve uh, maybe there's a discount. There's almost certainly going to be some kind of bonus or special offer. And there's a limited, maybe there's a limited number, limited time, a reason why, and a guarantee. And out of those, out of limited number and limited time, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite? At an event, limited time is built in. Yep. Five o'clock. I love that. The train's leaving I the do. station. I much prefer limited time. Yeah. Limited number. Very often, online marketers use limited number and it's completely bleep. It's ri- And it's ridiculous because- uh, my, Yeah, my PDF download has a limited number. Well, it's not just that. It's, it's that one of the things that's hard about that is people can't control the number, but they can control the time. They can control how so they totally. Let's say the number goes very quickly. They might then say, oh, I, I didn't know it's going to go. I, how do I know how many orders you're taking? Yep. It's not within their control, Come but completely. time is. Yeah, they've, they've got, got to watch. watch. Yep. They're in control, yep. and it's it's you know they're in or they're out by the time. So launches often have a time. Of course they do. Yep, uh, I really like. Time. And I've I've caught people quite often thinking they're going to limit it to ten or limit it to whatever. No, no, let's limit time. And, and when we limit the time, often those people have been shocked. They get 50, 60, 70. and I'm like, hey, look, you you would have just given away sixty sales at you know five figures each. Yeah, because you're guessing what the market will bear, which yep. is silly. Never yes. guess. No. So the invitation, we're just, we get yes. to the, the price now. It's yeah. The, the so people who are staying are staying. People are staying are staying. And you walk through, so here's how it works. You know, normal price is X. Today it's this. You know, there's maybe there's an upfront price and an installment plan, bonuses and, and the offer. So you can do it upfront. You can do installment. Who's in a position to do either of those right now? And people will put up their hand. Okay, great. So that's the words. Who's in a position? Yeah. Who's in a position to do either this or that right now? Yeah, upfront or yep. installments right now. And then... Uh, so that's an alternate choice assumptive, almost. I don't know if it's but assumptive. It's, well, okay, it's just not like, something, but it's an alternate choice between something and something. Yeah, but um, there's also obviously the, you know, who's in a the position? There's also, well, I'm not in a position and that's okay too. Gotcha. So assuming they're in a position, they're going to be either part payment or- Or an upfront right. with a discount. Now, we, we've talked about this before, but it's worth reminding just the part payment scenario. Yeah. The phraseology here is that it's not a pay-as-you-go. Correct. It's paying off something that is a defined amount and a commitment, but in smaller chunks. If you happen to have a five-figure program, quite often you might need- a way that people can access that where they can't just drop 35000 on their credit card today. Yeah, or a six-figure program. Right. What's one of the most expensive programs you've seen sold? Uh, I've got a client who has a two hundred and fifty grand a year coaching program. Yeah. The question people ask is, what do I get for that? Yeah, and uh, most people focus on logistics. Even coaches focus on like logistics. How much? What you know? What are the components? How long is the how initial much? strategy plan with you? It's like, dude, it's completely yeah. irrelevant. How much time do I get with you? Yep. How? 
how heavy is the box that you deliver to my right, house? Right, exactly. Like, so yeah. it's all the wrong questions. Yeah, everyone wants to know about logistics. And frankly, like your stuff's valuable, but it's not your value. If I had to guess, I'm guessing that someone investing $250,000 is going to see a substantial return on that for it to actually work. Completely. And so the you know rule of thumb formula, if you want to check out Alan Weiss's book, Value-Based Fees, it's one of the most expensive books you'll ever buy. It's also one of the best investments you'll ever buy. Great book. I think I, I bought it on... Kindle download for 50 bucks. I'm like, those electrons are expensive. Well, he's got exotic cars and animals to feed. He totally does. He's got, he's got <laughs> Kofax the Wonder Dog or something yeah, to, to feed. Um, <laughs> Possibly the cheesiest intro or outro I've ever <laughs> seen <laughs> on, on a video. Howling Dog Productions. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Alan, love to you. So the if you want a kind of a really simple rule of thumb, the value that you offer should be 10 to 20 times return on the price that they spend. Yeah. And so if you go, you know, what can somebody reasonably expect to get with this? Divide that by 10 or divide it by 20. They get a really great return on investment and you get a really kind of healthy profit margin. Cool. V equals P times 10. Yep. So there's not really much else to add to that. Let's, not let's... in terms of the how-to. I mean, they're, they're obviously, there's nuance and there's steps for each of them, but big picture, it's tension, it's desire, it's logistics, and it's invitation. And the whole idea is that we're going to do challenge by choice, not pitch our whole stuff at everybody. Just slow down there, sunshine. Challenge by choice. Thank you. I talk fast. <laughs> well, also, we don't really know what where this comes from. Probably your crew knows about this. Yeah, cool. So think about the hero's journey. Yep. Right? Uh, whatever the dude's name was. Joseph Campbell. That'll be the guy. Yep. One of the steps in there is the call to adventure. Yep. And so really what you're doing when you invite somebody to join your program is you're, asking, you're doing the call to adventure. You're saying, you know, you could stay in the old world or you can come with me and let's build this new world together. Go on the adventure. And they're aware there's going to be trials and tribulations. Completely. It's not going to be easy, but they'll come out of it a better person. Correct. You know, with, yeah. with a bunch of results and they will have grown. So my take on the, like, they don't, like in Star Wars, for example, one of the classic call to adventure movies, you know, the uh, spaceships never hovered above his planet and broadcasted to everyone, come on this journey. They went and they found the one guy and they said, hey, do you want to come with us? And so the idea that when it comes to the call to action or the invitation to the program, we're only going to do that to people who have, you know, everyone's left the room and we're going to give them a chance to come back in. I call that challenge by choice. So we're not like pitching at the world and everybody's sitting there resistant going, this isn't for me, no, you know, it's a waste of my time and it's kind of insulting. So I think really the biggest lesson from this whole podcast episode is segment your crew so that you're only talking to the right person and not coming across with with a message to people who might get feeling a bit icky about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So here's what else is great about it. Like uh, his confidence goes up because he was really worried about like he's done the, the douchebag style several times because he was taught by douchebags. I just thought of something else. Yeah. Probably a good portion of the room are not valid buyers anyway because right. they either already have it or there's some other condition that that means they're not a, they might be part of your crew they could be a peer who who wouldn't be norm, normally in the crosshairs yep. etc yeah exactly right so here's the thing he he has a small room like 25 maybe 30 people in i think it was like 27 something like that he does $211,000 in sales which is awesome for him because in the past he's made one sale at six grand. And everyone left thinking, oh, been, yeah, this guy's an idiot. Been hit over the head. So, so here's what happens. Sales are up. He felt super calm and confident the whole way through. And even the people who didn't buy said it was one of the best events they've ever been to. Everyone's time is respected. He invites the, you know, the right few people in. And now he's got a mastermind group ready to rock and roll. Nice. So, yeah, I think it's fantastic. Lessons. Segment was the one you talked about. Yeah, I think for me, I wrote that one down that, that 
if you're listening to this and you run events already, you probably already had that little sort of feeling of, oh, you know, I could have done some things differently. Yeah. I know you run lots of little events, mm-hmm. so you've been refining and refining. You've told me before about this idea of taking people away to, you know, even down to a special lunch table, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Since then, I've seen other people execute really poorly. Yeah. <laughs> pitching to do. the whole room. Yeah. And not getting the result they want, yeah. but also damaging their, their reputation. Yeah, you leave a sour taste in people's mouths and nobody wants that. It is something so simple. It's so simple. We know to do this in small communications. It's just I think sometimes get their greed gland on and they think in more people, yeah, better. more buyers. Yeah. It's not. It's totally it's really, not. It's really often it's, the, it's the, the super small group. You know, even when I was sending out my emails to just those 500, it was – Tempting to think, oh, I should maybe send it to everyone. But then I held myself back and thought, you know what? Everyone's already voted, so just leave it for them. And the people who are in uh, couldn't be happier. I like, oh. could not be happier. The people who progress right through. Yeah. And I've started, oh, I've started doing some of the calls with those people, and they're going to get significant results. So the next time this happens, I'll have some amazing case studies to, to help segment. So the other thing, you gave a fantastic four-step framework to be able to be selling your stuff really goodly. Yeah. And that was tension, desire, logistics, and invitation. And I think apart from the great frameworks you gave, which was um, talking about the problem and the offer and what it solves and who's it for, who's it not for, the key point there. And you've given people several cascading options to get out. No one's going through to the next stage feeling icky. Yeah, it's a pull process, not a push, which I really, really like. Plus, you have given some good insights as to how to phrase the the dreaded close. Yeah, that's the thing so everyone's worried about. Totally, that's the bit where the, the they they change their tone. The ums and ahs start coming. Yeah, they, they go like, through um, puberty again because uh, they're feeling all nervous. Yeah, and it's like they're obviously strained and stressed about having to make this pitch because they have to shift into into the wolf that they're not naturally wanting to be. Totally. But this way, it's really just a conversation. Hundred percent. And it's it's people are deciding if they want to come on that journey because yeah. you've challenged them. Yep. And if they don't, there's no bad feelings. None. So we had to give some first steps if you're going to do this. Well, I think first steps is whether you are doing a live event or a webinar or, a webinar, or even an email offer like yep. I did, yep. what I was talking about, it's good to start segmenting your real prospects for the, the offer mm-hmm. by giving them an opportunity to vote somehow mm-hmm. and to only be only be ever explaining the offer in depth to those people. Yeah. That's really the, that's the summary of what I think this episode's about. Yeah. That's how you can f- be... Making good offers and being natural about it. Yeah. Just to be yourself. Totally. And to, to be a little more strategic about it. Yeah, agreed. How can you segment on a webinar? Oh, it's really simple. I think you model from Disneyland and Luna Park. When you're a little kid and you go to the rides, one of the things they have is that, that kind of line that you have to be tall enough. Yep. And if we have a line like that, which is you, you, know, you must be this tall to ride, at the end of the webinar, before you transition into your offer, you can just do a really simple, here's what's not for and who's who it is for and uh yeah maybe it's based on income or maybe it's based on location maybe it's based on niche you know whatever the kind of the deal breakers for you are in terms of who you'd love to work with and who you wouldn't we just want to say that even before we get into the let me show you how this thing works so uh, you're basically saying someone will log off the webinar yeah totally yeah that's the easy one whoever's left 
Yeah, you just go, so uh, before I tell you a little bit about it, let me tell you who it's for and who it's not for. You know, if you're like this and this and this, 100% not for you. And then some of your things around um, attracting and making people show up, I guess part of your post-webinar follow-up yep. will, will be more targeted to obviously people who didn't buy because yep. the ones who have purchased will come off the sequence. Yep. And then you'll be responding especially to people who indicated they'd like to see a recording if they didn't come. Completely. Like, All maybe right. they've got half the webinar and disappeared. Yes. You, you're segmenting different Which audiences. Are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like at the end of a, a webinar, there's people who bought, people who saw the whole thing and didn't buy, people who left early and people who didn't show up. And we're going to look after each of those four groups differently. Wow, this has been a great episode, Taki. I think delivered some amazing stuff. If you've enjoyed this episode, by all means, feel free to pop over to iTunes and give us a rating. Yeah, that would be a nice thing to do. Totally. Or perhaps share this episode with someone you know who's running events and could who could, uh, I guess, feel more comfortable about the way that they're delivering their offer. Yep. And that would be a great thing to do as well. Totally. Yeah, if, if you run events or if somebody you know does, let them know about episode 29 at salesmarketingprofit.com. You're listening to SMP with James Schramko and Talkie Moore. Visit salesmarketingprofit.com.